He has told associates, I have dirt. I have accumulated through my law firms dirt on fellow owners, on people in the league office, and on Commissioner Roger Goodell. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Brian Neal, music producer Sam Brandt, and we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Special podcast today, the Bombshell Expose article in ESPN this week about Redskins, I'm sorry, <laughs> Commander's owner, Daniel Snyder, and all of the things he's up against and his quote-unquote dossier on other owners all of that explosive news even talked about last night as we talk on Friday on the Amazon game Thursday night with the commanders playing by Al Michaels. We'll talk about that, too. We're going to have the writer. Don Van Natta will join us. He is coming to lend his wonderful expertise on this topic. This important article has come out. We'll dive into it with Don Van Natta on the podcast. First, a word from Sling TV. If you're like me, you love watching live TV. Sometimes it feels like live TV doesn't love us back, right? Fortunately, you can get the TV you love for a price you'll love. Thanks to our friends at Sling TV. Forget about high prices, endless contracts. Sling is the most valuable option when it comes to finding out your favorite channels with the best deals for sports, news, and entertainment. Best live TV content all in one place at the lowest price. And now you can follow all the action on one screen, catch every touchdown every Sunday, thanks to NFL Red Zone, available on Sling Blue Plus Sports Extra. Sling is easy to set up, easy to use, and now all you have to do is try it for half off. Just visit sling.com slash DraftKings to sign up today. Again, watch every touchdown every Sunday afternoon with NFL Red Zone on Sling. For a limited time, get Sling Blue and then add on the Sports Extra with NFL Red Zone for half off your first month. Regular price $47, now only $23. That's right. You get the best deal on Red Zone so you can catch all the touchdowns at the lowest price with Sling TV. Visit sling.com slash DraftKings to sign up today. When a Don Van Natta piece comes out, I always like, my antenna go up. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> You and I are kind of on the same beat, Don, but I'm much more kind of contracts and business and free agency and inside workings of cap and contracts and general managers. You hit the big stuff and, and you hit it this week. <laughs> you hit it this week with Dan Snyder. And I, I don't know if I committed a fraud, a panel, a felony there. I just called him Dan. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to let you have a blank canvas to talk about your piece. There's so many areas I want to go, and I'll probably pick apart some of the things you said and sort of uh, needle in on those. But this was a great piece. I'll let you sort of start and sort of the genesis and where it came out, and then we'll talk about the reaction since the piece. Well, thanks for having me, Andrew. It's always yeah. great to be with you. You know, the, the piece started with a very simple question. And, and like most investigative pieces I do, they usually begin with one question. And the question that launched this one is, why is Dan Snyder still an NFL owner? Very okay. simple question. With all of these investigations, with the scandals, with the toxic workplace culture, allegations of sexual misconduct against him, uh, the Wilkinson investigation, of course, with that $10 million fine, and now there's a second investigation. You have attorneys general around him 
looking into financial improprieties. And so it was a very simple question that uh, Seth Wickersham and Tisha Thompson and I set out to answer in the summer. And we wanted to look at it, obviously, from the perspective of the people whose fate, Dan Snyder's, whose fate uh, actually is in their hands, Dan Snyder's hands, and that's the owners. Uh, 24 of 32 owners could vote out Dan Snyder. Now, that's a nuclear button option that's not very likely, but we started going around the country and interviewing owners, uh, senior executives of teams, lawyers with knowledge uh, of these investigations, people in the league office. We talked to more than 30 people. And what emerged is a picture, and, and, and I should also say many former commanders, employees, mm. and senior executives, importantly, uh, and associates of Dan Snyder. And what we heard was a portrait of a man who feels cornered, who feels as if he is going to do everything possible and at his disposal to keep the team. Uh, you know, we led with his own words and his own words are explosive because he has told associates things like, I have dirt. I have accumulated through my law firms dirt on fellow owners, on people in the league office and on Commissioner Roger Goodell. And if they try to take my beloved team away from me, I am going to use that dirt and blow people up, literally blow up the league, take down the league. And he had said that to numerous people using some of the same language. He's told multiple people mm. that the NFL is a mafia. Uh, he has said to a couple of people that we spoke to that all the all the owners hate each other. And when I posed that line, Andrew, to a senior veteran owner, been in the league a very long time, he very quickly told me that's not true. All the owners hate Dan. So we led the piece with that because I think it really shows a man who feels cornered. He, uh, the Washington Commanders is Dan Snyder's identity. He doesn't want anybody to take that away from him. And we know he has an affection and an affinity for using private investigators. He used them against his own employees, dozens of them. He used a private investigator against Bruce Allen, the former president of the team, so we know we know these are tools he likes to use. We didn't know until the story was published that he has talked about using these tools against his fellow owners, his partners, the people that he's in business with, as well as Roger Goodell, and will use what he has found out if he needs to, if he feels threatened enough and they come after his team. So that's really the where the story starts. But there's many aspects of the story, yes. obviously, uh, the stadium, uh, the fact that he has failed to get a stadium and how much that upsets the owners. I'm sure we'll talk about that because I know yeah. your business perspective, uh, you know, how much he's still been running the team, uh, in, you know, when he should not be. Uh, you know, there's so much to this story, but we felt important to start with that. Uh, Andrew, because um, for me, it's just so striking. And I, I, I got to tell you that owners are not pleased. They're not pleased. Yeah, I want to start there. Let's start right at the top, because all those things you mentioned, I do want to get into. But you, we still, I guess you're kind of answering the question. Why have they not imposed their nuclear option, which is 24 votes or Roger Goodell call for a vote? or even a coordinated attack, much like Adam Silver just used with Robert Sarver. 
is the reason this knowledge of the dossier is the reason just lawyers, they just don't want to have this in court forever precedent is the reason and understanding that yes, there is dirt on us too. And this precedent could be worked against us. So I guess we understand why it hasn't been, and he's been protected. We'll talk more about the Wilkinson oral report. But is that your understanding after doing this of why he's still where he is as an owner in the NFL? It's a great question. It's one we wrestled with. Uh, I think there's a multiple, a multitude of reasons why Snyder has been able to maintain control and why the league office, and we report this too, has actually helped him has, in the words of one owner, propped up the mm. Washington commanders while they're there, while they're these investigations going on, threatening him. And uh, and that's quite troubling when you hear that, that, you know, Mary Jo White has been investigating Snyder with some of these very personal sexual misconduct allegations since February. And the league behind the scenes is still seemingly helping in certain ways. Um, but I think when you speak to the owners, it's it's different things. Um, certainly, I never had a single owner. These are billionaires who feel uh, very strong in their positions. They own uh, some of the most precious real estate in American culture, right? Yep. Uh, an NFL team. They don't uh, scare easily. And uh, so the ones that knew about this in particular, uh, there was one owner in particular who Dan Snyder told directly, I have dirt on Jerry Jones. Mm. Uh, I believe, I, well, I, and I believe I was told that that owner would vote down on Dan Snyder if there were a vote on Tuesday. And by the way, I think, I think quite a few would, and we could talk about that. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's that as much, Andrew. And there were some quotes reflecting that, that he's a mad dog cornered. Yeah. That language was from another owner who knew about this, had heard about it from fellow owners, that Snyder has these dossiers, or he talks about having these dossiers. Some of them laughed it off as a bluff and thought, well, you know, uh, he's trying to scare us, but th that's, that's not really the issue. Uh, the issue also for some owners is that his business, and I know this is a, a sports business podcast, the yep. business of his franchise, a storied franchise in the NFL that really arguably should be in the top five in revenue in the Washington, D.C. metro area is one of the wealthiest in yep. America. It's he's dead last in revenue. Uh, FedEx field is falling down and he should be playing with house money in getting a stadium in either Virginia or Maryland. And because of all these scandals and problems and how disliked he is in that area, he can't get a stadium. And so when I asked owners about some owners about the scandal related to the sexual misconduct and the toxic workplace culture, they're bothered by that. One owner said to me, yeah, it's not a good look for the league. But he quickly pivoted to talk about the stadium, the yeah. failure to get a stadium. Uh, and so, you know, it sounds so cynical, right? We all talk about NFL owners. All they care about is the bottom Money. line and growing right. the revenues. But in fact, that is what I heard candidly from some owners and top executives of teams that they are as concerned or maybe even more concerned about that, that there's no way out. So. There's lots of reasons, but to get to your question, I mean, it's a really good one, and it's one we wrestled with of, well, why is he hanging in there? It could be the fact that if they do the nuclear button option and they go for 24 votes, it's a lawsuit. 
right? It's a massive lawsuit. Snyder sure. would sue. And as you know, it could be tens of millions, maybe a hundred million, who knows in legal fees. And they're just wrestling now with this massive legal bill with the Rams fleeing St. Louis, which has been on the radar screens, as you know, Andrew, of a lot of owners and, and, and the league office. So do they want that headache? And then of course it sets a precedent. There were some owners that candidly told me, do we want this to be a precedent? They would much prefer, as Al Michaels said on Thursday Night Football, yeah, we'll talk that, about that he will voluntarily just do the right thing and sell the team. But from what I understand from speaking to former commanders, top executives, people who know Snyder very, very well, who've known him for 20 years and longer, he will never do that. As I said earlier, it's his identity. It's what makes him cool. As my friend Dominique Foxworth said, I heard on Bomani Jones's podcast, it's it's true. Who is Dan Snyder without the Washington Commanders? He's just it's a guy. Clearly, with, he's just clearly, a guy with a lot of money. Yeah, he's just, he would just be another rich guy, and not a guy with the identity of the then Redskins. Listen, I have some history here, Don. I'm born and raised in D.C. I was diehard Redskin fan. Those fondest memories in my childhood of going to games with my dad at RFK Stadium. They were owned by the Cook family, Jack Kent Cook. Um, yeah, I mean, it's different now. I have friends and family asking me the questions I'm asking you, which is, can we remove this guy? And it's become a problem. He doesn't seem what was really eye-opening in your piece was a little bit more of the sort of squishy personal side. He doesn't seem to have a lot of friends in or out of the league. He surrounds himself with people he's paying with lawyers primarily and investigators and people to sort of keep everyone at bay. And that's, again, we're playing a little psychologist here. That's a little sad. And it just goes to the point of he needs this identity of the team. And like you said, like you were quoted, he's going to be like a caged animal to keep people away from taking it. One name you've mentioned that you obviously have done some great work in the past with Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, a true rainmaker in the league, maybe the most influential rainmaker of the whole league. I was clearly under the impression, certainly when I was in the league, seeing them at league meetings, that those two were very close, not just close in cordial ways that owners are, but very close. Oh, it's extremely close. And that seems to have changed. It, it, it has. Yeah. Let me. But but let me just tell you from my own personal experience, when I did my profile of Jerry Jones in, in 2014 and I spent the summer with Jerry, right. uh, you know, in his suite at the stadium. Yeah. And on his plane and dinner at the nice steakhouses around Dallas and drinking lots of Johnny Walker Blue and right. like, toured his house and all that. You know, Dan Snyder kept calling Jerry. Oh, really? you, know, you know, Jerry has a flip phone. He's he's stubborn. He's I think he still has it. He has a flip phone. But be, but he kept answering it. It would be Dan Snyder. And Dan huh. Snyder knew the way to talk to Jerry, getting advice about a stadium. Then this they needed, you know, Snyder was looking at getting a stadium back in 2014. And Jerry would light up as he would talk to Snyder. Mm. I think Jerry saw Snyder as. Maybe another one of his sons, even as a as a protege, somebody like him. Snyder bought the Washington franchise in 1999. He was 34 years old. He was yeah. the youngest person to ever buy an NFL franchise. Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner, introduced him, and we have it in our story. Couldn't believe it when I found it in the archives. He said Dan Snyder is the perfect person, 
And very quickly, many owners around the league disagreed with that because Snyder came in brash, sharp elbows, and Jerry saw in Snyder himself. Mm. That's how Jerry came into the league in 1989. Jerry was in his 40s, same way. Sort of like, we're going to like break some furniture here. And of course, Jerry, you know, did. And so he liked that in Snyder. And I think Snyder was playing to Jerry. So this betrayal, which we portray in the story, hasn't really gotten as much attention as I thought it would in the sense that Snyder has told an owner, not Jerry Jones, another owner, that he has dirt on Jerry Jones and badmouthed Jerry to this owner saying, oh, he just wants to get in your pocket. All he cares about is money. Oh. I mean, for someone like Jerry Jones, look, we asked Jerry to comment and I can get Jerry to comment usually on stories that I do. He yeah. declined to comment, Andrew. That silence is deafening to me yeah. uh, and says a lot. And so, I, I, you know, I don't think it's too strong a word to use betrayal because, you know, Jerry is old school. He turned 80 years old yesterday. Uh, all he wants is a Super Bowl, right? He's been a visionary. He has, you know, doubled, probably single-handedly helped double the valuations, triple, quadruple the valuations of, of all these teams. Um, and But he cares mostly about loyalty. And Snyder has not been loyal to Jerry Jones. And Snyder has asked Jerry in recent days, in recent weeks, I need you to help me with the owners. And Jerry has made it clear, my sources tell me, that he's no longer going to do that. So that's a big setback for Dan Snyder in trying to keep the team. You don't have Jerry. I mean, I think Jerry's the shadow commissioner. I think Jerry's the most yes. powerful person in American sports. Mm. He's more powerful than Roger Goodell, in my view. I've said that before. Uh, you don't have Jerry Jones in your corner anymore. People take cues on what Jerry does in that owner's meeting behind closed doors. That's a big setback for Dan Snyder. Yeah, there's no question. I totally agree with you. Covering those meetings for ESPN where L.A. was awarded to Stan Kroenke, it was clearly set the other way going into the meetings. And as you know, and as I witnessed firsthand covering those meetings, Jerry changed the room. He was the surrogate for Stan Kroenke, and he changed the room. He changed. Without Jerry Jones, we'd be watching the uh, Chargers uh, in Carson, <laughs> and uh, who knows where the Rams would be. No, you're you're, you're right. Jerry knew that Kroenke could write a check for SoFi Stadium. Right, that was a big part of it too. And Jerry knows that Dan Snyder can't write a check for a stadium in Virginia or Maryland. And, you know, that's probably part of the calculus here, too. I, I keep going back to the stadium, and I know we're going to talk about it, but no, it's a big, you can't, talk about it's, a, it. it's a big deal. You can't get a stadium. Uh, owners, uh, they notice because every NFL team can get a stadium. They use leverage, right? They threaten to leave and go to yeah. another city. And then, you know, I mean, look at Vegas. I mean, we've talked about this, Andrew, before. I mean, you know, $750 million yeah. in public money went to Mark Davis. Uh, you know, he used, he used Sheldon Adelson, the late, right. uh, the late casino magnet there. And we wrote about it. Seth and I wrote about that in that piece. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that Snyder can't leverage anyone in the Washington area, Maryland or Virginia, can't play these two states against each other. And he was playing with house money. They were ready to do it. And then these scandals hit. That's also a big, big problem that um, 
you know, that the people that I talk to say there's really no way out. There's no way for him to get out of that uh, that problem. And FedEx Field is just going to continue to crumble. And it's a uh, mess. You know, there's the there's the sewage issue. There's the falling yes. railing almost hit Jalen Hurts last year. And you're so right. You know, we you're so right. I mean, Las Vegas got uh, Davis got seven hundred fifty million for state of Nevada. Now the Pagula family in Buffalo, they're getting eight hundred and fifty million between the state and Erie County, plus the two hundred million from this from the league. Uh, for Snyder to not have this money, and you buried the lead. He's not having it because of his personal behavior. Yeah, I think you guys write that everything was set, and the legislature and the and the state senators were on board, and then they just got the barrage of hate mail from their constituents about this guy. So if there was- yeah, ever- One of them said the sleaziest of the sleazy, oh right? God. I mean, the language, yeah. Uh, Tisha Thompson, my colleague, you know, uh, through public records requests saw that it was almost nobody in support of giving a single public dollar to Dan Snyder. He just, and he can't do it. And you're right. I mean, the Pagulas in Buffalo is such a good example because $200 million of that stadium cost is league money. Yeah. Right. And so that's another leverage that the league has and the owners against Snyder. You ain't going to get any league money. Right. I mean, I think that's one lever that they can pull here to try to force his hand and force him out. And we may see that in the coming weeks. What happens if he sells a stake to just get some cash? I think That's there was a, something because he did he did buy out his old partners. That was another lawsuit. So yeah, and there? That, that's a that's a good question. That's been suggested to me by some sources, Andrew. I, I don't I don't know whether that's something that he would want to do, uh, because, again, then he's got partners like he just had here. And he had all these issues with these partners, of course, that he had to buy out at great expense. And, you know, he's I don't know if he would do that. Um, the people that know him, when I raise that, they suggest that that's not something that they believe he would do. But it, he may have no choice. Right. If he wants to hold on to the franchise, that may be one of the few options he has left. You know, the, the toxic workplace I've had the I've had Lisa Banks on the podcast. I had the women that were claiming the things they claimed on the podcast. He does, you're right. $10 million fine, your suspension away from the team, his wife running the team, but it doesn't feel like he was really punished. No. And like we keep talking about, the Wilkinson investigation ended in an oral report. This is a league that you and I know so well. It's written reports on anything, Mueller report, Wells report all these reports and we, and the Wilkinson never saw the light of day. It's buried in a drawer somewhere. You know, it seems like he's really been protected more so than someone who's a like donor, you know, and yeah. he's a dislike donor. Yeah. And that's he, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, Andrew, I was going to say that's to me, and there's a fair amount in the story about this um, and also about this woman um a former Washington employee who has a, a, a very serious allegation against Dan Snyder uh, that he sexually assaulted her on his plane in early 2009. Wilkinson looked into it. Snyder paid this woman $1.6 million mm. and she signed a non-disclosure agreement. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, when the Wilkinson investigation was happening, uh, Snyder's lawyers attempted to pay her another seven-figure 
payment. So she wouldn't testify and talk to Beth Wilkinson and Mary Jo White. And Brendan Sullivan, her attorney, told me for the story um, that that was flatly turned down. And she has spoken to Wilkinson and she has also earlier this year, we report for the first time, spoken to Mary Jo White. So we'll find out. I hope if that investigation, if Mary Jo White's investigation is transparent in the way the Wilkinson investigation wasn't. But to get to your point about the cooperation and the coordination, that's what's really troubling, right? There was an agreement that was struck that Beth Wilkinson's information that she developed was going to be shared with Snyder and his lawyers and the NFL. And Snyder had a seat at the table when Wilkinson would go up and make these presentations of what she was finding out to the NFL and to the NFL general counsel and lawyers there. Snyder was finding out what that was. There was an agreement that he had veto power over any information that could be developed. Amazing. So this is not an independent investigation at all. Remember, Beth Wilkinson was initially hired by Dan Snyder. And then and then the, the league, league took, took it over. The league took over the investigation. Right. And 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 then. Beth Wilkinson is conducting it. And then Dan Snyder ends up suing Beth Wilkinson. There's a lawsuit. I mean, so I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. And 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 then there are dozens of these very courageous women. This cannot be overstated. These are the cheerleaders, the former team cheerleaders, former employees at great courage. And and Dan Snyder's got through his law firm, private investigators looking into them and going after them. There's dozens of them. And they say publicly, repeatedly, please release the report, NFL. Yes. Please be transparent about this. And what does Roger Goodell say? Roger Goodell says, well, we're protecting the anonymity of these people, this confidential, the confidentiality of what these people, many of them women, have told us. But they want the report out. So the disconnect there. So as you say, all of this has been done for Dan Snyder. And yet still, <laughs> there's another investigation and now he's telling people, as we report, that he's got dirt on people. And so how do you think that's going to make them feel like we've done all this for you? We've helped you here inside the league office and around the league. And, and yet you're telling people this. So that's the context for what we reported. Those women were on my podcast saying the exact same thing. We want our names out there. We, I'm on your podcast. We're doing this. We're out. And of course, some of the things they mentioned, as you everyone knows so well, we were told not to look him in the eye, never even think about saying anything other than Mr. Snyder. Uh, we were told by other people to wear dresses, don't wear pants, wear high heels, don't wear flats, you know, the whole thing. And they, one thing that you mentioned in the piece that really uh, struck out to me when I, it resonated that it, when I talked to them was this uh, league executive was brought into the team to run it. Uh, Lefermina, I believe his name is Dennis Brian, Lefermina. Br Brian they, Lafamina. Lafamina, yeah. and they yeah. were so happy, like it was Nirvana. Now we've got this real, honest, good executive. Yep. Things are changing, and as you point out, he was swept out in six months. And again, another thing I remember, I just want to bring this in. You'd mentioned it in the piece. When he hired Bruce Allen, we had a league meeting in Washington and Bruce, whose brother was governor, we go to the Capitol and we're, he's showing us around all the, uh, the Rayford Senate building. And Dan was beaming, just beaming. This is his general manager. This is the guy he got. 
who's getting us fitted all around Washington, D.C., and we're eating in the Senate chamber building. And and I just thought, Dan, like, oh, my God, he got Bruce. <laughs> and Bruce was around the league forever. Everyone knows Bruce. And now, of course, he turned on Bruce. And a lot of what's come out in litigation has been part of this Bruce Allen trying to get after him. And I'll just bring it up to date because I've had Jason Wright on the podcast. Well-spoken, well-intentioned, uh, well-liked executive, obviously spe- is saying all the right things. But what do we think is going to happen there? <laughs> I no. mean, I, I like Jason. Everyone likes Jason. I respect him. I'm impressed by him. But this seems to be coming from the top, and you wonder if it can change. Yeah, you make a really good point. So Brian LaFamina was somebody who was he was hired by Dan Snyder out of the league office, right? He had a senior job in the league office. He was well-liked around the league, uh, very bright guy, highly regarded, only ends up being there six months uh, and, you know, completely frustrated. And, you know, is the culture uh, really changing here? There have been other people that have been hired um, for communications and other other jobs that didn't last a, a year, maybe last a year, 10 months. Snyder, they can't work for Snyder. Uh, and, and Bruce Allen, as you point out, you know, we make the point in the piece. We had some people tell us that after a while, you know, it's interesting. I, I love your anecdote that you just told about Snyder, you know, feeling so chuffed up with himself being, you know, at the Capitol and, you know, getting... I mean, that really says a lot about him, right? He wants to be, he wants to enter these rooms, right? right. He wants to be accepted. And, and Bruce Allen was his ticket to do that. But by the end, uh, Bruce Allen was better liked by people around the league. And we had people tell us that Dan yeah. Snyder was upset about that. He was jealous. He was resentful. And mm. yeah, I want to go back to what you said earlier you know, about him not having many friends. That was one of the things really that struck me because a number of people who know him said that said that he would call people that work for him, you know, vice president level executives and want to just hang out and watch football or hang, you know, hang out and do things. And because he doesn't have any friends, his friends are people that work for him. And it's actually sad, right? I mean, it's, it is a little sad. Um, And, and so he's, he's a lonely guy. I, I think that that's part of it. And, and like I said, he didn't have many friends among the owners, prior to all of this, and certainly has fewer now, uh, because I believe that Jerry Jones has very little patience or tolerance for him anymore. And so, yeah, he's, he's, he's on an island. Uh, and, and Jason Wright, we'll see. I mean, Jason, you know, Jason says, I'm doing everything I can to change the culture. You know, we had some reporting that suggested that he wasn't completely empowered to make the changes that he wanted to make. I mean, he insists that he, that he does. Uh, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. But uh, it's a it's a very, very tough job Jason has, there's no doubt. Hey, back to Don in a second. First, I want to tell you guys our friends over at Game Time. You know, football season's in full swing. We're in it now, week six. They're great games every week. Thanks to Game Time, it's easier than ever to be there in person. Game Time is a way that you can get a ticketing app that guarantees the lowest price on tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, shows, etc. You see them from your seat and the app and check out takes less than 30 seconds. It's an incredible experience. It's consumer friendly. It's easy to use and you can get in on any event. Again, sports, concerts, shows. So download the Game Time app, create an account, redeem code BOS. That's business of sports. 
for 20%, I'm sorry, $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's BOS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Game Time app. Also, word from Masterworks, the chosen one. You know who that is, King James, more like Bling James, because LeBron just joined the Billionaire Club, and he didn't just do it with shoe deals or soda commercials. Come from where he did, having a net worth of $1 billion. At that point, it's not even about being good at basketball. It's about being a brilliant entrepreneur, seeing seeing opportunities where others don't. So when the king makes a move off the court, it just makes sense to follow his lead. And right now, where's he moving? Into a global market with a value of $1.7 trillion. So how do we follow his example? Well, up until now, the market's been locked only for billionaires like LeBron. But now, all we need is a smartphone. This isn't sports betting. It's completely different. It's called Masterworks. Check it out. They've already got 500,000 members on their platform. Demand has gotten so high, there's actually a wait list. But our listeners can get in a priority access so you can skip it. Just go to masterworks.com. Use promo code BOS. Again, business of sports. That's masterworks.com, promo code BOS. You can get in where only billionaires have gotten in before, Masterworks. Check it out. Now back to our interview with Don Venata. And I guess we got to spend a couple minutes on the football side. Yep. They did get a win last night in one of the worst games played in years. (laughs) Um, Listen, they've cast their lot with Carson Wentz, who's on his third team in three years. He's got tremendous natural talent, but something seems off. I w- I'm totally wrong on this. I, like That's why I'm the business guy. I thought he'd be a, a perennial all-pro a couple of years ago, and he's obviously gone south. Um, this is not a good team. No. So, I mean, I, this sort of adds to the fans and the media, the frustration with him, right? I guess, you know, if somehow Ron Rivera turns it around, they get a new quarterback, they do something – does the perception change, do you think? Or is this, is this just always going to be kind of this nagging issue of the ownership in Washington? I don't think so. You know, I have to, you know, listen to people who know that market better than me. Uh, I had a conversation yesterday with with Dominique Foxworth, my yeah. colleague at ESPN, who's lived there forever. Uh, he doesn't think so. He just thinks that you know, there are people in that town that don't want to say to their friends, I'm going to a commander's game yeah. because of Dan Snyder, not because the team is struggling on the field, but because of him and because of those allegations. And, you know, they're sullying, you know, it's like uh, it, it's the brand. It's what he's done to the brand. And I think that's the recognition around the league. But, you know, we reported that Snyder had told an associate, right after the Super Bowl, around that time, you know, in the early, I guess in midwinter, that if you could only get a marquee quarterback, he'd be able to turn things around. And so we found out from people close to the team, inside the team, that the Carson Wentz experiment, if you will, was a Dan Snyder 
idea. Now, mm. Ron Rivera last night after the win, you know, blew up and said, no, it was me and I was Indianapolis and I did these things. Look, both things could be right. It could be something Snyder wanted to happen. And then Coach Rivera also got on board with it. Um, I saw some people today saying, well, this discredits what ESPN reported. Not at all. Snyder was 100 percent behind Carson Wentz uh, and his signing and felt that he could be the marquee quarterback that could turn the team around because Ron Rivera claims that he agrees with that. Although last week it sounded as if he was throwing him under the bus at the at the post right. press conference. Right. But but yes, I mean, to answer your question, Andrew, I don't know whether if the team was was better on the field, if that would would matter. You know, as we know, fans have very short um, memories and um, short attention spans as well. And so maybe it would make a difference with some fans on the fringes. But my sense is no. Um, you know, look, this is a 90,000 seat stadium and 23 or 24,000 seats are closed off. They had a sale, somebody told me, for three games. Tickets for three games were 99 bucks. I mean, they're mm. practically giving the tickets away to get people in there. When the Eagles came in a few weeks ago, it was all green at yeah. FedEx Field. You know, uh, it was all Philly fans who made the drive down to Maryland. So, uh, it, and, and this is what many owners are focused on. They're focused on the business side. Yeah. You know, not just the bad, this partner of ours has bad-mouthed us, you know, they've got thick skin, most of these owners. It's that what's the future for this franchise with Dan Snyder in charge? It's very, very bleak. And and it's bleak for them, right? They look at it through the looking glass of their own financial futures. And this is not a partner they want to keep around because they feel it's going to hit them in their pocketbook. And that's what they look at. Yeah, it's totally. I mean, I shared my my personal stories growing up. This, as you said, should be a top, top franchise. I mean, it galvanizes a, a city that is so fractured politically into one base. It's something that's always happened. And we can talk about the Wizards or the Capitals. It's a it's a well now commander's town. Yeah, it totally is. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it's the, it's the one when the team is running great. Right. Yeah. As, as, as they did in that in that decade, uh, you know, th then it's like the town's bipartisan support. Right. It's the really? one thing that can make the Democrats and Republicans get together and root for the same thing in this splintered country of ours. Right. Yeah. Is is a Washington football team that is playing well. And everybody, the Democrats and Republicans are in the suites together. They're in, in the stands together and they're rooting for this this common goal. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs era was that was it. Right. I mean, you know, it was it. And, and, and that was it. Look over as, as we all did. We'd look over into Jack Kent Cook's box. Like, who's there today? What senator? What congressman? What president? What vice president? Speaker of the House? Like you said, both sides of the aisle back in the day. So it is interesting. And, and yeah, I married someone from Philadelphia. His my father-in-law tells me it used to be that in Philly, it was all Burgundy and Gold fans. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's switched up. And, and Jack and Jack and Jack can cook. Just, just one quick point, Andrew. Jack can cook was considered one of the greatest NFL owners, sports owners with the Lakers. Right. I mean. And 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 look at and 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 look at who took his place. Yeah. He went from one of the considered one of the greatest owners in American sports history 
to now somebody who's widely considered one of the worst, if not the worst. And again, on the personal side, we grew up in the same area as suburban Maryland. I knew people, we were in a rival high school. I knew people, you know, in the same area, same grade. They're like, oh yeah, he's kind of a quiet guy. <laughs> like <laughs> just kind of kept, kept to himself, didn't really know him. Uh, and these are people that are big sports fans. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll bring it up to the present, which is about 12 hours ago. Al Michaels, as you briefly mentioned, says on the broadcast, and we kind of wonder whether, and I, I'm, you can tell me if your piece was timed for, for playing on a Thursday night, but um, would he say anything? And they did. And he said, I don't, uh, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, Dan needs to sell. It shouldn't get to a whatever, kicking him out. But I think they'd like it if he sold something like that. Yeah, it shouldn't go to a it shouldn't go to a vote. Shouldn't go to a vote. Yeah, uh, you know, Dan, Dan should sell the team. It's it's bad for the league. Uh, yeah. What do you take of that? What do you take away from that statement by? Well, Al? I I think it's I think it's very striking. I mean, it, I mean, what Al Michaels said, as we know, Al Michaels doesn't like to say things that ruffle feathers, right? right. In the league office, he doesn't like to say anything that's going to give Roger Goodell uh, agita. Right. And so for him to say that, I think, was widely perceived by people who listened carefully to him as this is what the league um, sanctioned and wanted out. And um, look, it's not that surprising. It's been known, I think, for a long time that the league would prefer for him to sell. But he you know, it, but in mentioning our story and in mentioning the fact that there is a league meeting on Tuesday and he very pointedly, interestingly said this is not on the agenda currently. And he, mm. he sort of emphasized that word because there was word put out yesterday after our story. I saw some couple of reporters had the fact that this is not on the agenda. Just because it's not on the agenda doesn't mean people are not going to talk about it. Right. As you know, right? In the executive right. session, there's sidebars. You know, there's sidebars. Jerry Jones, if he wants to, or anybody else, or, or Robert Kraft, or Stan Kroenke want to have a discussion about this, they're going to have a discussion about it, whether it's on the agenda typed up by somebody in the league office or not. So uh, I found that kind of interesting. To answer your question about timing, it, it was not timed. I, I, I'm sure there's going to be cynical listeners who believe it was. Um, we did the story when we were ready to publish it. Um, we were racing to get it done actually even earlier um, this week, uh, but it, it wasn't ready until Thursday morning when we hit the button. So it really wasn't timed yeah. to the game. It was purely coincidental. So here we are. Snyder predictably has bashed you. <laughs> Not yes. you specifically, yep. ESPN. Yep. As much as he's bashed Washington Post, I, I think they have received more of his wrath than ESPN, actually. Um, and he's still being investigated. He's trying to run out the clock on Congress. He's got the things you mentioned going with the former employee. He's got the... Uh, so where do we go? I mean, I guess... If nothing happens Tuesday, and whether we have a drumbeat or not, it looks like he's going to be the owner for a while. He doesn't have a stadium. I'm asking to look in your crystal ball. Where do you think this goes, Don? Yeah, I don't think anything is going to happen Tuesday. I think it's yeah. too soon. And the meeting on Tuesday initially was going to be a two-day meeting. It's going to be Tuesday and Wednesday, and then it got changed to just an afternoon session. So you know how these go, right, Andrew? They're going to fly in Tuesday morning. The meeting begins at noon. It yeah. ends at 7 p.m. Everybody's going to go back to their private jets and fly home and sleep in their own beds that night. Yeah. So it's not a lot of time. If it were a two-day meeting and then there was those, you know, chance to have 
Roger Goodell sit there and drink his Chardonnay in the you know hotel bar and people come up and sidebar discussions, it might be play out a little differently. Um, but there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes conversations. As I understand it, they've already begun. Uh, there are owners that are talking with Goodell, as I understand it, uh, about an end game here and, mm. and, you know, and what, and what can happen. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of options. Uh, if Snyder insists that he's going to hold on to the team from the league's perspective, it's a vote. Uh, or trying maybe to find a way to give him a graceful exit in the sense of possibly what you suggested of bringing in either a partner or maybe having Tanya, his wife, yeah. uh, own the team. But I don't know whether that's going to be palatable to some of the owners that I speak with. Um, another possibility I've heard, uh, I believe it was reported last night by Michael Smith on Amazon, maybe his children would get the team. But again, I, I don't know enough about whether that's something that would be agreeable uh, to everybody. I don't believe it would be agreeable to the more hardliners who want Snyder out. And there's quite a few of them. I, I do want to make this point on your podcast because uh, you, you raised it earlier. I, I, you know, we interviewed Seth Wickersham, Tisha Thompson, and I, as I said, more than 30 people. Anybody that I could ask personally, and I know Seth did too, would you, would it be thumbs up or thumbs down uh, on the vote? Now, you know, this was not a scientific poll by yeah. any stretch. But the people that we did talk to, not a single person said they would vote thumbs up. So uh, if it did get get to that, I think that Snyder would struggle. And as we reported, he's been flying around the country, visiting with some owners, trying to hmm. keep people in his corner. I don't know who they are, but I do know that he's done that. Um, so we'll have to see. It's, it's hard to look into my crystal ball and tell you, to be honest, Andrew, where this will go. But I do think that I, I can tell you that the appetite certainly after our story landed and talking to people yesterday, last night, and again this morning, is people are angry. Uh, they don't like this kind of language. They're running out of patience, particularly as we explained, because that so much has been done to try to help Snyder write the ship, um, that I would be surprised if he hangs in for a very long time. I just want to pick at what you just said. Is there any supporters? I mean, he lost Jones. No one in your long piece seemed to say anything positive. Uh, does he have any, any protectors, any supporters? I mean, it seems like Roger Goodell, without saying anything, has been protecting him. It does. It does seem that way. And we have yeah. some reporting in our story that any time the subject comes up, Goodell seems to, at league meetings, Goodell has seemed, our sources told us, not to have a lot of interest in this. He moves the meetings along, along. but we did speak to an executive, a team executive, senior executive for one team, who was very close to Roger. Uh, and he said to me, uh, you know, Roger's had it, basically, with Snyder, mm. and he would want him gone tomorrow. There's a line in the story reflecting that. Now, uh, that's one person's opinion of where Roger is on this. Um, look, we have sourcing in our story. This didn't get picked up on by too many people. We have league office sources confirming that they're aware that Snyder has been telling people he has sicked private investigators on fellow owners and on people in the league office, including Roger Goodell. Mm. And so, you know, I, 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 again, I, it's hard to predict, but I think contextually, if you look at the help they've given him, particularly with the Wilkinson investigation, yeah. I, I focus on that because it's pretty extraordinary, Andrew, the 
assistance they gave and the cover they gave. That's really the word for it. They gave him cover. And yet this is the language you use against your partners who gave you cover. I just it's really a test of their tolerance at this point. And it's hard for me to judge. But um, I do think, you know, it's going to come to a head sooner rather than later. So the, uh, we'll, we'll finish where we started this, uh, lack of a better phrase, this dirt dossier. I mean, is there any other reason for him to be gathering this than as a mutual arms destruction? If they're going to try to take him down, he's going to take them down with him. It just seems so odd. It seems odd. It seems desperate, right? Yes, totally. And, and, yeah, and I, and I, I think it is. Now, again, I, I want to stress uh, the team spokesperson, uh, and uh, Snyder's many lawyers deny that he yeah. has dossiers, that he did this through his law firm. Although I want to make one point, Andrew, which I think you'll appreciate. Reed Smith, yeah. his law firm, uh, was also the law firm that was involved with A-Rod, represented A-Rod when Alex Rodriguez sued Major League Baseball. And there was a private investigator hired through Reed Smith, we mm. were told, to follow around Rob Manfred. Hmm. to follow around the commissioner of baseball. Uh, we have sources to confirm that, uh, even though it was denied by a partner at uh, Reed Smith. So again, it raises the question, well, if that law firm that represented A-Rod had a private investigator follow the commissioner of baseball, what's to stop them? It's Dan Snyder's law firm from hiring a private investigator yeah. to follow around Roger Goodell, right? I mean, you know, this is the toolbox um, that's been used by this yeah. very same law firm, which we pointed out in the story. Um, I don't know. I, I I keep saying I don't know. I mean, we're in, we're in uncharted territory. Yeah. Uh, and um, why Dan Snyder would do it, I just know that he has a, an affinity for private investigators. He used them on his own employees, and former employees, and on Bruce Allen, the guy that he was so happy to be in the halls of Congress, as you say. uh, Somebody was following Bruce Allen from his home to the golf course in Arizona, somebody told me. so, uh, And and that was somebody that the person told me was hired by one of Dan's law firms. Um, So, you know, it's a desperate ploy. And unless you're really, it's not a bluff, um, and you're doing it and you actually are prepared to try to burn the whole house down because nobody is going to take the team away from you. And that's where I think Snyder is. And as we talked about, I mean, I don't want to do too much pop psychology here, but it is his identity. Yeah. It's the thing he was, he loved the team as a boy. He was a fan growing up and, you know, at 34 years old, when you have the commissioner of the NFL calling you the perfect person to own a team yeah. and look where he is now. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually quite tragic. You know, I, I'm yeah, not, I'm not trying to make people feel sorry for Dan Snyder, no. but I mean, you know, but, but I mean, that's a, that's a big fall, right. It from, is. you know, from where he was in 1999 and, and, and taking the reins of this storied franchise to where it is now. Uh, it, it's, it's a great fall. It's a laughing stock, and it's, it took him three decades to change the name. And now we're still trying to get used to this commander's name. And it's just, just, it feels like a, a cheap team in so many ways. 
And remember, he said he was never going to do that. I mean, yes. that's the thing. I mean, you got to take with a grain of salt the things he says. So he has told people he'll never sell the team, but he did tell people for years he was never going to change the name of the team. And remember, he used private investigators on that too, Andrew. I don't know if your listeners remember that, but the Oneida Nation and the people that were actually fighting for that name change, there were private investigators hired by Snyder's law firms running around that issue as well. Mm. So there's a long history here of that. Um, and, you know, I, I have friends in the Washington, D.C. area, too, who said to me, you know, we've all suspected that Snyder has dirt, that Snyder must have something. Why else is he hanging right. around? And you've just you all you did, Don, is confirm what we've all been yeah. suspecting. Uh, and, and maybe so. But um, but what's stunning to me is the language, is the way he's talking about his partners. I mean, there's an etiquette. You know this, Andrew. You've yeah. been in these rooms, right? It's like, you know, we're all partners here. I mean, the NFL really is a socialistic group, right? No, I mean, the they brethren. share everything. Yeah, yeah, right? It's the brethren. And it's it's a tremendous amount of respect. If you remember when Robert Kraft was penalized for Deflategate, um, he could have appealed and tied up in lawyers. And I think he just said, you know, I get it. I'm one of 32. You know, it's all about the brethren or whatever he called it, the membership. They actually use that word in meetings, the membership. This is the membership. And it's its most exclusive cub, club in the country with only 32 people. So anyway. And it's the most coveted. The other thing coveted. about I it mean, is look the at most the franchise value skyrocket. I mean, oh, my it's, God. What's the great. Broncos? <laughs> Look at the commanders. Yeah, we have it in our story. They're five and a half billion dollars. Yeah. Th that that's you know, Forbes says I think they're the sixth most valuable team, still. NFL team, still, despite not having a stadium, despite all the brand issues we've been talking about. It's it's a money printing machine. It has a grip on American culture that's unprecedented. I, I had a source tell me recently that it, he, he compared the NFL now in 2022, that the grip it has sort of on the country to rock and roll in the late 50s. It was a yeah. it's kind of a That's stunning a analogy, it, but it's a great analogy. Yeah. He said he said it's just it's taken over. It, it, the, the, the gap keeps widening between the NFL and the other three major league sports yeah. every year. It gets greater, more money uh, and 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 look at what Snyder has done. He's in this incredible spot, right, where fans – I mean, look, they have had some issues with the, the racist past, obviously, yeah. of the team. There's a lot of Cowboys fans in, in the Washington, D.C. area. But, but still, I mean, it's, uh, it's such a wealthy area, and people don't want to be associated with the team. And I think that that's – at its essence, again, it gets to the business, right, the business side of it. I think that's the biggest problem. Uh, the, and I don't want to diminish the sexual misconduct stuff or yeah. anything else, but among the owners, when they look at it, there's no That's end game. I kept, I kept hearing that too, Andrew. There's no way out. There's no end game. There's nothing he can do to turn the ship around. It was that kind of language that I kept hearing as we were reporting the story. Well, you, then you, you just wonder, as I opined earlier in the pod, and I've talked about this, the, the sort of the recent, very recent example in the NBA. And I was told by an NBA executive, nothing that, you know, it took a, a rocket scientist to figure out that this was kind of a coordinated campaign. Robert Sarver wasn't going to leave. Okay. Other owners, Robert, you should probably get out. Other friends, Robert, you should probably get out. Just take your $2 billion. LeBron tweeting, Chris Paul tweeting, uh, the chairman of the, of the organization saying, I can't be here. PayPal, the Jersey sponsor saying we can't be here. 
and more to come. You wonder if that could work on Snyder as as stubborn and obstinate as Robert Sarver, the Phoenix Sun, seems to be. I think we're at a whole nother level with Snyder. But again, there's a bit of a game plan. There's a bit of a sketch out there with the NBA just a month ago. And you just wonder if somehow that could work with Snyder and the, and the, and the commanders. It's a great point. There are some parallels, right? And yeah. um, there has not been notably a single NFL star. There's not been a Tom Brady, right, um, that has said this guy needs to go uh, in right. the way that LeBron did. Um, I don't know whether that would make a difference or not. Um, but certainly that conversation, somebody sort of going to Snyder in the way that people went to Sarver and sort of say, OK, this this has got to be the exit strategy. For all I know, that's already happened. Right. Mm. Uh, and he just said, get lost. And, yeah. Screw and, you. And, right. Screw you. And and or or it will happen. And that's what he's going to say. And but who is even going to do that? Maybe it's Jerry. Maybe it would be Jerry Maybe. Um, in that role. I mean, if I had to predict somebody I would predict it would be Jerry. But uh, every, by all accounts, um, not just the former executives of the team and people who know him really, really well and go back with him many years, but the owners and, and, and team executives and league folks that I talk with all say, he ain't going anywhere. He, he's going to hang in. And, and, and for me as a journalist, that's why this language that he uses and this threat um, you know, whether it's a bluff or not, right? It, it's, it just, I think, shows you the level of his desperation and how far he'll go to maintain control and ownership of the team. Yeah, you just wonder, you know, it looks like <laughs> they print money as NFL owners. I mean, I tweeted last night, there's going to be 12, 12 million people last night tweeting how bad this game is while they watch the game. You know, every yeah. other league would kill for that. Like, can you imagine 12 million people tweeting about the worst hockey game of the year <laughs> or the worst baseball game of the year or the worst NBA game of the year? Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, the, anyway. the, and, the, and the Sunday ticket package, right? Uh, Apple is oh, likely going to get it. That's still coming. That's going to be a mammoth payday, billions of dollars uh, to the owners. Yeah, it's just the, the money keeps flowing. It keeps it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as somebody said to me in reporting this, it was really striking, Andrew. It, it kind of crystallized things for me. They said, Roger Goodell and the men and women in the league office, it's going so great that they're conservative. They, it, they just don't want to screw up. Right. They don't want to screw up this golden goose. And, and, you know, I think that a little light bulb went on, on over my head thinking about that, thinking, yeah, that makes sense, actually, in a lot of what they do, right? They they don't, you know, look, scandals have come and the league still, you know, merrily goes on. Keeps going. Watson. Yeah. yeah, all this stuff, right? It really doesn't, hasn't really made an impact on the bottom line. But I, this is somebody who knows Roger fairly well. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's... Hadn't quite thought about it that way. It's just like, just keep your hand on the wheel. Make sure, you know, this yes. this this wonderful machine with a V12 engine that I'm driving down the highway here just doesn't get, get, get off the road. Just keep it straight, straight and narrow. You know, last question. It just occurred to me as we were talking about big, there's nothing bigger than... Uh, we're talking about the Amazon game. Jeff Bezos lives in Washington, okay? <laughs> Just bought into the NFL, although maybe he's happier owning Thursday than owning a team. <laughs> um, 
you hear anything in your reporting on that? That like, is it any way we can get him the team, or you know, wouldn't it be great if he owned instead of he's living in Washington in this compound now? And I've 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 heard a little bit of it. Um, I mean, I think there's rules, right? I believe that if you're a broadcast partner, I don't know whether you can own a team. So that would have to be dealt with. Um, that's my understanding. Um, you know, the accusation you talked about Snyder and the team coming after uh, us at ESPN after the story. I mean, the accusation that was made to the Washington Times, it wasn't made to us yesterday by the team spokesperson, is that, the, that, that our story was part of some two-year campaign to try to get Dan Snyder to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth, Andrew. I mean, I, I was asked by my editors to get involved in this story in early July after I did a profile of Rob Manfred. I've been working on it since. I mean, it's just, we just, as I said, set out at the very beginning, as I told you on the podcast, to answer a very simple question. Why is Dan Snyder still an owner? That's it. But to try to accuse us and accuse the Washington Post of sort of doing the bidding. Now, the Post yeah. is owned by Bezos, and I, you know, I can see where that's the, the conspiracy-minded thought there. But we just set out to do the best story we could in explaining what the state of play is and how owners view him. And I think we achieved that in the story. That was our, that was our goal. Right. Um, but, but the Bezos question, you know, look, uh, we saw Roger Goodell sitting next to Bezos, I believe, right. in that premiere of the The Amazon prime game, that opening game. And, uh, uh, Bezos seemed to be more happy and pleased about it, about sitting there than Roger did. Roger's glowering, I think, when we saw him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I I've certainly heard speculation about that. I mean, it's believed that Bezos wants into the club, into the membership, as you put it. Um, and you know, the, the the cost of a team is you know a rounding error in the life yeah. of Jeff Bezos, right? Five or six billion dollars. A stadium is also something that he could write a check for, the way Stan Kroenke did. Uh, you know, Maryland, Virginia don't want to put up any money. Bezos can write a check for a stadium. Right. Believe me, that's crossed the mind, the minds of some people around the league. Uh, I don't know that, but I'm sure that Jerry yeah. Jones, I know that Jerry Jones loved the Kroenke proposal, as you talked earlier, because we talked about the flight of the Rams to L.A., because Kroenke could write a check for SoFi Stadium. Jeff Bezos yeah. can write a check for a stadium in, in the Washington, D.C. area. And every league's after him. I heard that, that, that you know, the NBA hopes he takes an interest in the Suns yeah. yes. and writes a $2.5 billion check over there. So we'll see. Don, this has been great. Thanks for your generous time here, spending an hour with me. And great work as always. I mean, everything you, you write is just uh, tour de force. You and Seth and Tisha, thanks so much for being with me on the pod. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. It's always great to chat with you. Great conversation with Don. He always puts out a tour de force. I'm always impressed with what he does. He gets he spent four months doing that and he shared it with us here. Got deeper even than he has in other interviews he's done this week. So happy to have him and hope you enjoyed that. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, Instagram Andrew Brandt too, where I do reels. If you're not getting my newsletter, please get it, andrew-brandt.com. I also have the premium section for daily videos and weekly meetings andrew-brandt.com slash SBL. Give us a good rating, if you will, on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with a friend. Tell everyone about it. It's unique. I hope it's exactly what you want. Thanks to producer Brian Neal, musical producer of the music you hear, my son, Sam Brandt. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.